I want us to look at, uh, there are three postures of every believer that we must take on, and these three postures are so important, and they're all in Christ. Let me tell you what, what we have in Christ is amazing. You get the book of Ephesians and just start in chapter 1 and go through you know, the six books there, you'll find out that we are, we are blessed in Christ, we're chosen in Christ, we're adopted in Christ, we're accepted in Christ, we're redeemed in Christ, uh, we reveal, the will of God is revealed to us in Christ. Uh, everything centered in Christ. There's the inheritance of God comes to us in Christ. Uh, we find the glory of God flowing through us in Christ. We have faith in Christ. We have wisdom in Christ. We have hope in Christ. We have power in Christ. We are quickened, means our body is made alive and vibrant in Christ. We are created in Christ. We're made nigh to God in Christ. And I've just gotten through chapter 2, okay? I could have given you all these verse references, and we'd probably be here all night. Uh, we are growing in Christ. We are built up in Christ. We are partakers of the promises of God in Christ. We have all the wisdom of God manifested through us in Christ. We have boldness in Christ. We are made to shine in Christ. And it goes on and on and on uh, of what we have, our benefits and privileges we have in Christ. So every one of us should make sure we're in Christ. Amen? That we declare Jesus Christ Lord over our lives. We surrender, we submit, we live for Him. Are you living for the Lord tonight? Say, for me to live is Christ, and then for me to die is gain. Man, my eternity is taken care of, and my future is taken care of, and my today is taken care of as I live in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, I want us to look at verse 3 here, for it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Do you see that underlined has? He has blessed us. What you have need of has already been provided 2,000 years ago by Jesus Christ. We don't have to ask Jesus to get up off of the right hand of the Father and do anything for us. He has already accomplished it. It is in the bank. All you need to do is go up to your ATM machine and put in your faith pen and draw it. Make a withdrawal. It is yours. Hallelujah. So it ha He has blessed us with some spiritual blessing. No, it says every spiritual blessing, everyone. I just read to you a list of about 18, and there's probably in Ephesians about 30 that are listed there. And that's just in the book of Ephesians of all the blessings that we have. And it says in the heavenly places. Now, if you'll study heavenly places, if you remember the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So, you know, you two, y'all not fighting each other, okay? If there's ever a conflict that comes there, let me tell you what, the devil is trying to get up to something. So you don't want to fight each other. You've got to look behind it and say, yeah, there you go. You've got to, hallelujah. You've got to say, wait a minute, what's the spirit, what is the devil trying to do here? So you've got to look beyond your beautiful wife and say, there's a devil trying to get in there and in, in here and get me stirred up, you know. So we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in heavenly places. So there's a second heaven. I call it the command post or the command center that Satan operates from. Uh, that's his pentagon, if you might would say it that way. Because Paul was called to a third heaven and saw God and saw elders and saw the apostles and saw all the heavenly hosts there uh, worshiping around the throne in heaven. 
But then the Bible tells us that we've been given authority that whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven and whatever we loose on earth is loose in heaven. But God's third heaven, that's perfect. John's been there, Paul's been there, they've all reported back. It's a perfect, sinless place. So there's nothing there that needs to be loose and there's nothing that's in bondage and there's nothing there that's wild that needs to be bound. But we hear about, we wrestle not against this flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in heavenly places. So that second heaven would be the command center, I would say, the Pentagon. It's where Satan has got his rule uh, there. He's the prince of the air in that heavenly place. And here, that's where our battle is. I'm telling you, it's not flesh and blood under this first heaven of the sky and the stars. It's the spiritual realm fighting against us. The devil will use the weakness in the person closest to you to try and get to you. That don't make that person that's closest to you the devil. But there's a weakness. If the devil can find it, he'll use their weakness to poke your button. Anybody got a button that if it gets poked, it, you, don't, you don't act too right, okay? You don't think the right thoughts. Okay, so the devil will do that. So we've got this battle going on, and here... We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing, everything that, that, that we need to fight in this spirit realm and to be victorious in this spiritual realm has been given to us in Christ. Now, I don't want the devil using and abusing me, and I don't want the devil using and abusing anybody I love, so I'm ready to roll up my sleeves and fight in that area. If God says I can fight in that area, I'm going to fight in that area. I got a little fight in me, and I, you know, years ago I may have wanted to fight you, but, you know, thank God I got delivered and got some wisdom and found out it's not you, it's the devil that I'm coming against. It's the demons of hell that I'm coming against in the name of Jesus, and I've been given the authority over all their power, and they're not going to dump their trash on my life. Amen. So here we've been blessed by God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, has blessed us. It's already ours. All we got to do is appropriate it in ev with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So here, in the book of Ephesians, this is a letter God wrote, had uh, Paul write to the church of Ephesus and eventually to all of the church, including us here tonight. And here he lays out three chapters why we should sit... And that means that we're to rest in what Jesus has already accomplished. Too many Christians are trying to, they're on a treadmill, and they keep turning up the speed, thinking if they go faster and faster, they'll finally, they'll finally uh, you know, get what Jesus has already done for us. You're, they're trying to work for their salvation. They're trying to work for the favor of God. They're just trying to work, work, work. What grace is already provided, they don't realize it. And the devil just keeps them busy. He says, leave them in that little corner, the stupid things, and let them run their tongues out. That's fine. It keeps them from messing up my kingdom of darkness, Satan would say. So Satan really will encourage you to try and accomplish and achieve and, and earn what Jesus had to do for us. Because if you could have done it, Jesus wouldn't have needed to come from heaven to do it for us. So there's things he's already done for us, and we need to rest in that. So he talks about a position of being seated in that. And then there's two chapters that deal how we should walk in the book of Ephesians uh, so that we can appropriate what Jesus has already provided for us, that we walk into his provision, we walk into his power, we walk into his uh, 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 plan for our life. And then there's this third, uh, one chapter that deals with how we should fight. 
and it talks about standing against the wiles of the devil, and that means you hold on to what Jesus has won for you. You don't let the devil take your blessings. You don't let the devil rule over you. You rule over your own life. Amen. And these are the three postures to sit, to walk, and to stand, or to fight. And uh, you'll see these chapters 1, 2, and 3 deal with our sitting in Christ, our resting in Him. Chapters 4 and 5 deal with how to walk it out. And in chapter 6 talks about our standing. So I've just preached a whole book of Ephesians. Isn't this the shortest Bible study you've ever had? So now we'll just uh, go down the street and go have a... No, we can't go have a treat, can we? Because maybe a lot of us are fasting. So let us, let us just keep studying then. We can eat this, this here. So these are the three postures of every believer. And you see I put this gear work up here. And if this may make some sense to some of you, and maybe not to others, but I want to kind of explain it. If you'll see the cogs in the wheel and the, uh, all the gears here, they, they're interlinked, and they're interlinked on purpose. While one turns, it is turning one way, it's turning the other one the other way, which is locked into another one. And each of those could be uh, uh, for a particular function. Uh, let's say on your car, you may have some belts that are doing this. And uh, Frankie was here, he could explain it in detail. You know, well, some are keeping the fan blowing to keep the engine cooled down through the radiator. Oh, there's another one that's interlinked, that's uh, turning your compressor uh, so that you can have some AC going. And there may be another one that's turning the flywheel uh, to keep the, you know, the engines going. I mean, it's all interlinked. And if you were to unhook or take anyone out, then nothing would function. Nothing would function there. Uh, Pastor Radika's car has been screaming at us for the last little while, and it sounded so bad, I thought maybe we're going to have to get a new engine. And I took it to an honest mechanic in the shepherd's guide. Thank God for honest mechanics. And uh, I just was out on, we were out on the road, and was like, this thing sounds so bad, we've we got to pull in. There, you know, can you all look at this? And they looked at it, and they said, oh, you just need to tighten your belts up. $18 to tighten the belts up, and I thought we was going to have to get a new engine. So we came on home with a big smile on our face, praise God, because it wasn't near as bad as we thought. But I knew if that belt, as bad as things were screaming under there, if something broke, it was going to affect everything. And, uh, and I reckon that's why all that stuff under the engine, in the engine was screaming so loud, because the belts were slipping, uh, they needed to be tightened. So uh, it's the same way with these three positions. They're interlinked. So we're not going to just sit... Right? And rest. Jesus provided salvation <coughs> for me. So I'm just going to sit in my salvation until Jesus comes back. Right? Jesus provided blessing for me. So I'm just going to sit here and say, Jesus, you provided it. Where is it at? Where is it at? Where's promotion at? Where's your anointing at? Where's your healing at? Come on, you provided it. Come on now. I'm just here to rest in it. No. While you're resting in what He has accomplished, we also are interlinked, and he's given us as a church things that we must be spending about doing as well. So we have to walk. He talks about walking, and then he talks about standing. So I want to break those three down and give them to you, so maybe you got a better theological understanding of our three positions as a believer. So back to uh, Ephesians 2 and 6, being seated in Christ. He says, he has raised us up together. That's mean, as with the body of Christ, he's raised us up together and he's made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, these, this, this heavenly places is not heaven that is our ultimate goal where some folks think we're just going to sit there for eternity. That would be boring. God's got plans for us. I'm telling you, he's got great plans for us uh, after this life. 
But until then, we have these heavenlies that are contending against us and these heavenlies that are telling us we're disqualified, that we don't have authority, that we don't have the, the, the right or the privilege in areas. And what we have to do is we have to rest in what Jesus has provided for us as we contend in these heavenlies. So we have to remain seated, rested, that our salvation has already been provided by Jesus Christ. So we're not going to go over here off on the side and get on a treadmill and try to run, 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 and get saved. Run, 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 get saved. Run, 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 get saved. Or run, 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 get the love of Jesus. Or run, 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 and get the righteousness of God. Or run, run, run. These things have already been provided for us in Christ. And if we're in Christ, that's automatic. That's ours. If we're in Christ. Amen? So we have, to, we have to stay rested in that, at peace, because that, 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 the devil's going to always tell you, you're not good enough. You're going to pray for healing. He says, you deserve it. And you say, you know what? I do deserve it. I've been quite the scoundrel of my life. I've not done things the way I should have done. I, I've done, treated people bad. I've said things that I wish I hadn't have said. And uh, so the devil will get you to now sidetrack because you got to go, and if, if natural cure don't do it, or if the doctor can't do it, then you're dead. You're all, it's out of here because you feel like you deserve it. We all deserve death. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So there's no one to your right or left or in front or behind you that's any worse than you were, and you were no worse than they are. We've all sinned. And, and sin in the eyes of God is missing harmatia, it's missing the mark, so it's like uh, glass. And if glass gets broken, it's, just because it's broke over here doesn't mean uh, it's whole over here. It's lost its integrity. So when you sin, no matter what your sin was, sin causes you to fall short of the glory of God. Right? And the wages of sin is what? Death. And that's that eternal death, separation from God. You don't have a right to His blessings. You don't have a right to His privileges. You don't have a right to His goodness. So, so all of us have already been disqualified. But Jesus came to qualify the disqualified. He came in to say, I'm coming in with sinless blood, and my sinless blood is going to pay your sinful account. Your sinful blood couldn't pay it. And just if your child was born and raised like a saint, that child, just because it was born under Adam's sin, that sin came into him and her, and they were disqualified. So here's Jesus stepping aside and saying, I won't come through Adam, I'll come through the virgin, so that the Adamic nature is not on me, so that I can live at least 33 years to prove, according to the, to the law, prove to be one that can be your rabbi and be one that can be your uh, uh, high priest. So as a high priest who has not sinned, and that's why the Bible says he knew no sin, let me tell you what, because he had not sinned when his blood was shed in all seven places, we were redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. To everyone who is in Christ. It's not automatic. It's available to everybody, but not automatic. To those who've placed their faith in Christ. Now, when you're in Christ, you've got to be seated in that. You've got to, be, you've got to understand that everything that you will ever need in 1,000 billion years has already been purchased by the blood of Jesus and at Calvary on your behalf. He took care of the curse off of you by being hung on a tree because cursed is he who hangs on a tree so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us, even the Gentiles, 
Galatians 3, 13 and 14. So when Paul talks about us sitting, he's talking about our confidence and, and the rest that we have in who God is and what He has done on our behalf. Now let me tell you what, if you can get this, you will rise up to be a very powerful, authoritative uh, victor, uh, uh, son or daughter of God. Because it's this trick right here that the enemy keeps us with our head low and feeling like we don't deserve it. Let's get over it. You don't deserve it. You, were, you say, I was bad. We agree. You were better than you think you were. Right. All of us were. You disqualified. Yes, you were. But God has made you qualified in and through His love for us. Oh, what a good God we serve. So His death was the death of your old nature. And His resurrection is the resurrection of you into a newness of life. To be the head and not the tail, and above only and not beneath. Bless going in and bless going out. That's what He came to do for us. And His ascension was your legal right to live and to dwell in heavenly places. And His glorification is where we are summoned to live, even now in glory. He wants to move us from glory to glory. Isn't that what the Bible says? So His glory is where we live in an atmosphere of His presence with the manifest of His authority and power in and through our lives. We've got to, be, we've got to rest, sit. We've got to rest like you're sitting there right now. I don't know that I get to sit through many church services in my, my years. I've stood through most church services. That's why I stand. You know, some people say, ask me one time, why do you stand all the time? I hardly ever see you sit in church. I, I'm not trained to sit in church. But uh, that, that's just a, a position of the body. And, uh, but what we're to do is we're to position ourselves as the body of Christ. That we're, we're, we're seated, resting in what Jesus has provided for us. But that don't mean that we just sit. And it's not that it's either or. They're interlinked. While you're resting in Christ and in His, His work on Calvary for you, now it causes another part of you to be able to rise up and walk. And that's number two, that we walk worthy of the calling which you were called in Christ. Ephesians 4 and 1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. Every one of us have been called into the, this Christianity. We've been called into a relationship with God and we've been called to be His representation. We've been called to be the body of Christ. And Jesus said, I'll build a church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Where is hell? Operating until it's cast into the eternal abyss in this heavenly realm, in this heavenly realm. So what are we to do? We're to rise up and we're to walk worthy of the calling with which we were called, advancing the kingdom of God, being the church that is coming against the gates of hell, taking back what the enemy has stolen and advancing the kingdom of God and depleting the kingdom of darkness because where light goes, darkness has to be dispelled. Amen? So anyone who sees what Christ has accomplished in them and sees the finished work of Christ and, and then in turn lives an intentional life of sin, they miss the point. They miss it all. They, they have no clue to what they're really talking about. It takes an absolute, according to the Bible, it takes an absolute fool who will claim to see what Jesus has done for them and then turn and live in sin. It's the life of a fool, the Bible would say, for the fool says in his heart, there is no God. For you see it all, but you say, you're basically saying, I don't believe it all. And a fool is not saying it in their mind, they're saying it in their heart. 
So let me tell you what, that is a soulish thing that is going on there, and the enemy does like that. See, there's this unique connection between the book of Ephesians and the book of Joshua uh, in, in this uh, re reference of walking it out. And the implication there is uh, everything that's been made available for us by Christ is the promises of God. For all the promises of God are what? Yea and amen. Yes and amen. So uh, it's, it has this parallel, and that's what the Holy Spirit does when He's the author of the whole thing, is He can make those parallels uh, beyond even what the physical person who was writing uh, realized of the inspiration of God. But in Joshua, it was about entering into the promised land, right? Coming into what God has already provided for them. And God makes statements like, every place where the soles of your feet shall trod, He says, I've already given it to you. He didn't say, I will give it to you. It's yours. All you got to do is put your footprint on it. All you got to do is believe me enough to walk in it. And if you'll walk in it, houses you didn't build and vineyards you didn't plant, and cities you didn't fortify, I'll give them unto you. It's done. It's all yours if you'll just walk into it. So we've got this picture of Israel standing at the border of the promised land, and God tells them, everything you can see is yours if you'll walk on it. You just don't look at it, you've got to walk it out. And that's that parallel to us where Paul is saying, everything you can see has been provided for you in Christ Jesus. And he's got promises for you, but you've got to have faith and walk it out. You've got you to walk through the Jordan River, you've got to come up on the banks of Jericho, and you've got to walk it out. And, and that's what we have to do as Christians because, let me tell you what, uh, God told him, says, I left, God said this, I left the enemy in the promised land because they will stay busy building your houses so that you don't have to build them. See, the enemy thinks he's playing us for a fool, but if we'll get in synced in the plan of God, really and truly, God's played the enemy for a fool. Everything the enemy meant for evil, God turns it for good. So he's telling us, so there's this parallel, and think about it in the spirit realm as well as in the physical realm, that in Joshua, he says, I'm leaving the enemies in the land. Why? Because I know you. You're not going to possess all of it at once. You're going to go in and you're going to take a little and you're going to take a little and you're going to take a little. And as you're going in to take a little, there's a lot of it that hadn't been taken. I'm going to let the enemy keep those houses up. When the fascia boards rot, they're going to replace the fascia board. When there's a leak in the kitchen, they're going to fix the, where the leak was. They're going to take care of your property for you. They don't realize they're doing it. And when they say it's time to build an addition, they don't even realize they're building that addition. That's going to be your, 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 your family room, that big gathering place you know, that you wanted. Okay? And they don't even realize they're doing this. So he says, I'm leaving the enemy in here. They're going to tend your vineyards that you didn't plant. So until you take possession of that uh, increase, they're going to be managing it. And they think they're managing that, the funds for themselves, but really the increase is only being stored so I can transfer it in your hand. So uh, the enemy is going to be meaning to do something for one thing, and he says, and I'm going to change it to be just the opposite, for there's going to be a transfer of the wealth of the wicked to the righteous. That's the plan of God. And God said, if I got rid of the enemy, then the territory would be populated with wild beasts. That's what God said. He said it would be populated with wild beasts. So, so the enemy, would they would go in there and they uh, would stake that as theirs rather than keeping it in transition. So get this. There are things more threatening to you than the devil. Did you know that? He's already under your feet, right? You've been given authority over all the power of the enemy and he's therefore under your feet and nothing he can do shall harm you. You know what Jesus said? 
So there's beasts. God says, I'm leaving the enemy in here so that the wild beasts don't take habitation. And I said, Lord, what in the world could we make parallel there? And he said, well, and the Spirit of the Lord just begins to say, there's beasts of pride, there's beasts of self-promotion, there's beasts of self-centeredness, there's beasts of selfishness. These beasts get our focus off of God and cause us to miss out on our inheritance. So really more, more dangerous than the devil is for you to get so focused on you and what you want and how you want it and how you like it and all about you to the place that you turn your back on God. Because you're in, the worst, you're in the worst condition, right, that if the devil took you out early as a Christian, where are you going? To heaven. But you turn your back on God and deny him. Where, uh-oh, you see what I'm saying? So we've got to look at these things here. So we've got, we got to understand that we need each other. That's why the body is, we're all interlinked. This is the body of Christ interlinked, and us sitting and walking is interlinked. We're resting in what God has provided, but we've got to do our part. And that's why God has us go through seasons. How many of you are excited about the new season of spring coming up? Okay. Well, just as you see the seasons of weather coming about, we also have seasons in our life, right? And the Bible talks about these seasons, and we're not always on the mountaintop. You know, it's, it's actually uh, uh, it's, it's a, a foolish mindset or a very naive mindset to think that uh, the seasons, everything's going to stay the same always. There's always a changing. There's a morphing take place. And the enemy loves to come in and to get us out of focus during these times. See, the whole focus of Joshua is you can't sit on a mountaintop and look over into the promised land and say, it's all mine, it's all mine, but do nothing. Right? Now, the grace message to extreme and I do say to extreme because all isms come when there's an extreme. And mankind, I don't know why we do this, but we have this tendency like a pendulum likes to swing to the extremes. And if we're not careful, we'll go to extremes. And that's how we get false teaching, how we get the twisting of the Scripture, and we get out of its true context. And the grace message to an extreme says, I'm just sit back and I'm just going to sit here and all of it's mine. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. I'm in Christ. I'm saved. I'm, I, I'm delivered. Hallelujah. And I'm just going to sit here till Jesus comes. That is actually hypocritical to say it's all mine Then do nothing about going to explore it. Because it's, you're really saying I believe it's all mine, but you don't have enough faith to get up and walk through it and explore and see what is yours. I guarantee if I gave you a mansion and said, look, I've got this uh, legal document. There was a rich uncle you didn't know you had. They've left this 10,000 square foot mansion sitting on the water. There's a boat dock. The, the kitchen is amazing. The cupboards are stacked. There is stuff in the garage. It is a 10-car garage. There's stuff in that garage I can't even tell you about. Here's the key. Here's the address. Here's your documentation. It's all yours. Now, how many of you would just say, Hallelujah, look what I've got. It's all mine. It's all mine. Or how many of you would say, It's all mine. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to check it out. And you go walk through that thing and you go sit in that chair and say, Ah, oh, I like this. You'd be looking in those cabinets and looking in the refrigerator and going in that garage and checking out those uh, the, the, the cars and trucks and everything that are in there. Because, you know, it's hypocritical to say, I believe it's all mine and you won't get up and walk and explore it. Come on now. 
Because the nature of our faith is because of what was accomplished at Calvary and because of uh, that I do not have to earn favor and because I don't have to earn salvation and because I don't have to earn a place in the heart of the Father, because of this reality, I want to walk in the blessings of God. I want to walk it out. I want to walk it out and possess it. Amen? So there's territory we need to explore. And I'm here to encourage you to let's explore this territory together. Because revelation reveals what faith must explore. And revelation reveals what faith must apprehend. And revelation reveals what faith must appropriate. And God is showing us that He has given us the authority to do that. See, it does me no good to say, God has given me authority over all disease. And, and not pursue a breakthrough consistently in my life where disease bends its knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. See, he says it's yours, but he also tells us he's given us the authority to fight in these heavenly places to take possession of it. So it's not just ours, just, just falls on us. There's, there's some contending that needs to take place. That you got to go in like Joshua and the children of Israel when they went in, there was Jericho. And they didn't just say, okay, God said it's all ours. Okay, you got to get out of here. Jericho shut the gate. Jericho says, you're not coming in and you're not going to have anything to do with us. So God says, I want you to walk around it one time a day for six days, seventh day, seven times. Then I want you to shout. See, they had to walk. They had to walk. And they had to talk. They had to shout. They had to believe. They had to put some foot... Uh, shoe leather to their faith and in that particular battle the Lord uh, uh, fought that battle for them and that because that was a first fruit city and the Lord said if you'll give me the first fruit of anything he said I'll sanctify and bless it and and bless the rest so that's why he told them to take nothing from the city because the first fruit belongs to me so they went and had the miracle and the walls came down and, uh, and and they didn't have to fight the victory was given to them all they had to do is walk and shout now, the second city they come to is Ai, which is a lot smaller, but they go in there and they get their hineys whipped, if you can say that in church. They got whipped there, and the reason, and, 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 and Joshua went to the Lord and said, God, what is this? Jericho, fortified walls, and we didn't, I mean, look at what happened there. And here, little Ai, why did we lose this battle? And God said, there's sin in the camp. He said, that was a first fruit city. I told you to take no spoil from that city. The first fruit belongs to me. If you touch what is mine, the, the, the gates are open for the devil to rip you to pieces. So he says, uh, the devourer is at work. So he says, they're sent into camp. And you remember, there was the one who had hidden some of the gold in his tent, and, uh, and that had to be taken care of. And that's why I'm a first fruit preacher. I mean, when the Lord blesses us, the first fruit belongs to him. Because he said in Malachi 3 that uh, he's called, if I don't, I'm a thief and I'm a robber and I'm a liar. But he says if I'll honor him with the first fruit, he'll rebuke the devourer. He'll, he gets in the battle with me. He'll rebuke the devourer and open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings I can't even contain. So I'm like, yes, I see it with Jericho and I see it with AI. I see how the Lord works, so I'm going to honor the Lord because that's faith. Faith in how God does things. And when you have faith to walk in the way God does it, you will see God uh, manifesting himself through it. See, it does me no good to say that God has given me authority over all strongholds and then not pursue the breakthrough consistently in my life until all bondage in my life bows its knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. 
See, there's some, so there's some engagement of battle that has to be done. He tells me he's given me authority to bind and to loose. So I've got I've to engage in the battle of binding and loosing. He tells me he's given me the sword of the Spirit. So I tell you, he doesn't give you a sword just to stand there and look pretty. You've got to fight with it. He's given me a shield of faith, and that's going to give me protection when I'm out here in this battle. So even though Jesus has provided the victory for us, we've got to take by faith and possess the land. And to me, I'm so glad it's that way. Otherwise, it would be kind of boring. You know what I'm saying? That everything's just yours. You're just like born with a, spoon in, a silver spoon in your mouth, and, and all you have to do is say, I want, and there it is. I'd like, I, I know our flesh thinks we'd like that, but that would be boring. We would look like some of the kings, if you'll study history, who were so obese that they could not even walk. They could not even walk because they just sat there and said what they wanted and so much. And they lost their ability to function as a human being, basically, and died early because they wouldn't even walk in the authority they had. They just sat back and took advantage of all of that. Thank God that He wants us to participate, not only sitting, sit in that position He has given us, resting in it, but also to walk it out. Amen? So the book of Joshua, I mean, it's talking about possession of what is already of ours. God said, I've already given it to you. Everything you see is already yours. But there, God strangely left the Hittites and the Moabites and the enemy in there taking care of God's possession. Man, that's a different concept, isn't it? Some people say, why in the world did the, did the Lord even keep the enemy around? He could have taken him out. Well, the enemy's tending that which is ours until we've got enough faith to go and take hold of it. <laughs> Come on now. The, the, the vineyards stayed pruned. The houses, they stayed all repaired. Everything stayed nice. And the people, uh, it was all ready when for them to come and possess it. It wasn't, it wasn't ruins. It was, it was livable. Amen. So when the fight came and they were willing to come, God said, I'll even fight for you and drive them out. I'll drive the Canaanites out before you. I'll drive the Hittites out before you. But you've got to show up. You've got to show up. If I'm going to drive them out before you, that means you've got to be there. Amen. So we got to fight. we got to fight uh, on our part. So we're going, we see that we're as a position of a believer in Ephesians is to uh, be seated in Christ and to walk, to walk. And then we see the third position is we're to stand. That's that third position. We are to stand. Ephesians 6, 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So the truth point here is in spiritual warfare, we are not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory, right? Because the victory is already ours. All we got to do is show up, stand, and that word stand doesn't mean just stand there. That means to fight and hold the ground that has been given to you. In other words, if God has given you the mountain of, 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 of a financial blessing, then you've got to, you, there's going to be a war, there's going to be battle in you by faith climbing that mountain, but when you get there, it's yours. It's yours. You don't say, oh, i got to knock on wood. Man, this is too good to be true. I'm surely going to lose it. No, you don't need to knock on wood. You just need to hold on to it and give God the praise for it. Amen. So we're fighting from victory. So it's what Jesus has already accomplished for us. So I'd say all of this to say it is so foolish for us as Christians to think that the Christian life has no fight in it. That, it. That's not true. It's not true. But the odds have now been stacked against us, I mean for us and against the enemy when we're in Christ, right? But we still got to do our part. We got to do our part. Jesus said in John 10 and 10, Satan comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. You're going to have that battle going on. 
He's going to be trying to kill. He's going to be trying to steal from you. He's going to be trying to destroy everything in your life. But, he says, don't you get discouraged by that because you got me. And he says, now I've come not only to give you victory and just a life, but a life more abundant. A blessed life. Hallelujah. A victorious life. I've already come. That's what I came to do, to give that to you. So he says, so make sure you put the whole armor on. And you know Paul in Galatians 6, he talks about that. Finally, brethren, he said, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might and put on the whole armor of God. We can't leave off any of this. He tells us that we need what? The breastplate plate of righteousness. We need the belt of truth. We need the helmet of salvation. We need our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We need the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema word of God for us. We need, the, we need the shield of faith, which quenches every fiery dart of the enemy. And then he says we need to pray always with all prayer in the Spirit. So we need our spiritual language. You know, every, every uh, a country that has, does war, they have secret codes that they communicate because communication is key. If we're going to be flanking from this side and that side, the timing of having everybody flank and come in is crucial. If one is an hour late, it's going to mess up the whole plan. So communication is key, and they have codes in how they can communicate in hoping the enemy can't break the code so that the enemy doesn't know what's going to happen to them. Well, that's what God has given us. He's given us, uh, you might would say, uh, a, a warrior's language, a warrior's communication, a warrior's code in and through the Spirit. I believe it's the language that Adam and Eve spoke to God with in the garden before the fall because the prophet, one of the prophets in the Old Testament said in the last days, God will restore a pure language. And that word pure means without defilement. It means it doesn't even have a dirty word in it. It doesn't have a, 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 even a, the allusion to a dirty word. So he's restoring a pure word in the last days when he poured out his spirit, he said. And let me tell you what. On the day of Pentecost, what was it happened? He said, there they were gathered together in the upper room. They were praying, and what happened? There came a mighty sound of a rushing mighty wind from heaven, the Bible says. And the Bible says that they, that sound came upon them, fire of tongues set upon each of them, and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. And there was a change from that moment on. And now we see Peter who was uh, cursing and, and denying Christ is standing up preaching. And the multitudes are getting saved. There's power that is flowing through these men and women of God. That, that was the church's birthday. So God has given us a supernatural language a lot of people say, I don't understand it. Good, because if you could understand it, then the devil could understand it. He's been around a lot longer than you, and demons have been around trying to decode it a lot longer than you. It's as we speak, as the Spirit gives the utterance. Hallelujah. So what I've learned to do is I've learned to pray in the Spirit in the morning. I've learned to pray in the Spirit in the afternoon. I've learned to pray in the Spirit in the evening. I've learned that when I'm in a challenge, I pray in the Spirit. I learned when I'm rejoicing, I pray in the Spirit. Because Paul says that when I pray in the Spirit, my, I am edified. That my body, my mind, my wisdom is edified, is built up, is energized. Is, 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 it's like there's a deposit from heaven. So right before I come in here and preach, I'm praying in the Spirit. Some people say, how in the world can you think of all you say when you say it? I don't know. I've just got, I do know. I've got a direct line. I'm connected. i got a direct line. I say, Lord, here am I. Get my mind and my understanding to the side and let it flow. Let you flow. Hallelujah. Because let me tell you what. That's part of our armor. That is part of our armor in us going forward and standing or fighting, you might would say, in this battle that he's called us to do. So the fight that we do wakes up the ability 
uh, to, you know, when we, we're faced with a fight, it wakes us up to, the ability, uh, to our ability to stand as a representation of Jesus Christ. And that's why he said, what you've seen me do, you will do in even greater works than this when I go to the Father. Why? Because he says, I'm sending my spirit. So he said, my spirit will not only be about you and be over you and around you, but he says he will dwell in you. He says, your body will now become the temple of the Holy Ghost. So, so let me tell you what, this is a fixed fight, but we still got to show up. And the fight just awakens us to the fact that we have to steward what we've inherited. We've got to steward what we've inherited. Ecclesiastes 3 says this, To everything there is a season and a time under the purpose of heaven. There is a time to be born and a time to die and a time to plant and a time to pluck what was planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance and a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. Time to embrace and a time uh, to refrain from embracing. A time to gain and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. Now, now we know this is why we're called by God to mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice because we will all be at different seasons in our life and because that somebody may be in a season where they're going through a great struggle and we've got a season that we just come through a struggle into great victory and when we're interlinked, when we're interlinked doing this thing as the body of Christ, we're there to encourage one another. We don't need everybody mourning when we're mourning. Amen? We need somebody who's rejoicing to come into our life when we're mourning. Amen. So God has given us to be uh, uh, interlinked in that, and then He's given us the best encourager of all. Okay? He tells us about the encourager. Let me just share this with you. I think I may have given this scripture in Luke 4, 16, where Jesus stands, and you remember He begins His ministry, and there He stands in the synagogue, and He takes the scroll, and He turns to Isaiah 61, and He said... Um, uh, he begins to read this, verses 1. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, and opening of the prison to those who are bound, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now at this point, Jesus closed the book and gave it back to him and sat down and said, Today the Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, here he is. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit to preach good news to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, proclaim, proclaim liberty to those who are in bondage, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set those who are at liberty uh, and are, who are oppressed at liberty and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So, he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. But why in the world did he stop at midway verse 2? That, for a Bible student, is like, God, Jesus, keep reading, keep reading. I mean, come on now, you came for that too, right? And the Lord showed me why. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out on us. Now let me just take it a little further. See, the Holy Spirit came to complete the rest of that prophecy. Jesus fulfilled His part, and then He sent His Holy Spirit to fulfill the rest of it. And the rest of it goes like this. And the day of vengeance of our God, and vengeance means repayment, Vengeance is to avenge. It is to make right what was wrong. It is to settle the score or live like the Avengers. You know, Iron Man, Thor, okay, the Hulk, Captain America, but even better than all of that, okay? So the Holy Spirit comes and makes things right that were wrong 
And that's why we're commanded always to pray in the Spirit in Ephesians 6 because it's the Holy Spirit's the one who's come to make everything that was wrong right in our lives and to comfort all who mourn. Jesus says, I, I must go to the Father because if I don't go to the Father, He says, I'm going to the Father, I'm going to send you the parakletos, is the Greek word He used, which means I'm going to send you the comforter. So the rest of that verse said to comfort those who mourn. Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes... He is the parakletos. Parakletos literally means, uh, let's say we're out in the woods hunting and you try to climb a tree. You want to see uh, like Zacchaeus a little further ahead and you fell out the tree. I was smart. I stayed on the ground. You broke your leg. Now I got to help get you out of the woods, but your bone has been broken in your leg. And I say, okay, I've remembered this from Boy Scouts. So let me go and I get some splints from some, and, and I bring those splints alongside your leg. And you know, always hunters, we got duct tape out there. It's just camo duct tape now, but we got our duct tape. And I duct tape and, and real tight, I bring those splints alongside that brokenness. So now I'm going to try to get you some crutches. And now you're not going to put all your weight on me because you're going to be putting some of your weight on those splints as well as on this crutch. And we're going to get out of the woods and we're going to get you to a doctor. Okay. Those splints is called the paracletos. That's what they are. Things that are strong that come alongside brokenness so that brokenness can walk it out. Hallelujah. And Jesus says, I must need go because I'm going to send you the paracletos, the Holy Spirit. He is the paracletos. He's going to come alongside your brokenness so that you can walk in this life. You can walk it out, the victory that I have for you. Hallelujah. So he said to console those who mourn, to give them beauty for ashes and oil of joy for mourning and a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. That's the life we as the church, full of the Holy Ghost, is supposed to be living. Beauty for our ashes, uh, oil of joy for our mourning, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that we might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. And that's what the Holy Spirit has done. So Jesus stopped mid-verse and is basically saying, I've come to do this part, but I'm going to send a paracletos to go do the rest of it. So that you as a church, you'll place your faith in me, you'll come and you'll sit in me, you'll sit in my provision, my salvation, my redemption, my righteousness. I've given it unto you. He said, that's yours. You can't earn it. You couldn't have been good enough for it. So if you'll receive it by faith, I'll give it to you. So you're seated in that, but now you've got to get up and you've got to walk it out. I've given you promises. All you Yes and amen. You gotta go and explore. You gotta walk into the favor. You gotta walk into the promised land. You gotta cross that Jordan River. You gotta come to this city and that city. And where the enemy is, you gotta know that God's going before you and He's gonna He's gonna say, Okay, you've been taking care of this house long enough. Now, devil, get out of here and you move right in to a house you didn't build. You move right into a vineyard you didn't plant, and he's gonna take care of the Hittites and the Canaanites and all of that. So you gotta walk it out. And as you're walking it out, you've got to know that when you take possession of it, the devil's not going to be happy and you've got to be willing to stand and fight your ground. You're like, I'm not giving up my health. I'm not giving up my wealth. I'm not giving up my joy. I'm not giving up my peace. I'm not giving up my freedom. I'm not giving up my family. I'm not giving it up. And I'm going to stand in faith to see the provision of God. Hallelujah.